Our next scripture reading for this evening is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Canarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's stand together, rejoice, and sing Angels We Have Heard on High. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains.
seated here. The final scripture for tonight is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered about them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Would you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst. And open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Rejoice. Verb. To feel or show great joy or delight. Now during the Advent season, we've been claiming what it means to rejoice with ancient voices. To rejoice with sheep at the Christmas pageant. And to rejoice along the way. And tonight we rejoice at the manger with God's great gift of love. Now during the Advent season this year, have you been able to rejoice? Have you been able to rejoice? Now, I don't know about you, but we often get to Christmas Eve, and it may be just the right time to take some deep breaths, to sit back, and to truly enjoy the reason for the season. What hasn't been done is probably not going to get done. So we just lay those things aside and we just gather here in the presence of the Lord. Now, here are some things that may have helped you to rejoice in the season. Traditions, whether it is baking goodies and sharing with others or the special rituals that families adopt through the years, traditions ground people and they help them to rejoice. Lights. Whether it is the glow of candles, the stars shining in the night sky, or Christmas lights sparkling anywhere and everywhere, it seems appropriate to be allowing the light to shine in the darkness and how that would enhance one's ability to rejoice. And then music. Whether it is singing favorite or sacred, sacred or secular songs, Christmas music transforms one's mood and is a fan favorite to allow people to rejoice. 
Now, for me personally, I love the traditions that are in my immediate family, special foods on particular days during the holidays, as well as watching favorite movies like The Star, that's an animated show, and also my daughter's sisters love White Christmas. <laughs> I, love, I love the soft glow of lights twinkling in our many rooms, and I love the sacred and secular songs of the season that I find myself humming or singing along. This year's faves are Oh Holy Night and Little Drummer Boy with its pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. <laughs> now I know that I can count on all of these things to keep me spiritually focused and able to rejoice no matter what. So what is it that enhances your ability to rejoice? Now, on the other hand, it would be easy to talk about the things that complicate our ability to rejoice. We are not shielded from tragedies, new diagnoses of cancer or other diseases, or the bad news that we see and hear every single day. But honestly, we need to spiritually focus on everything that allows us to rejoice, especially in Advent and Christmas time. So perhaps we should explore what it means for God's people to rejoice. Now in the New International Version, the NIV version of the Bible, there are 154 verses that use the word rejoice. Here are a few of those verses from the Old Testament. From Psalm 96, 11, Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that is in it. From Isaiah 61, 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. And from Habakkuk 3.18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my Savior. The historians and psalmists and prophets understood that to rejoice in what God provided was indeed an important gift. As recorded in the New Testament, when Mary found out that she was with child by the Holy Spirit... Her song that is recorded in Luke chapter 1, she echoes scripture when she herself says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So the story about the birth of our Savior was preceded by this sense of what it was meant to be to rejoice, to feel great joy, to show great joy. Now, as we hear the birth narrative again this year, we're reminded that this story is so full of details that demanded a deep faith and a trust in God. Mary and Joseph had both been approached by the angel Gabriel, and they were instructed, do not be afraid. When their first instinct was to be afraid, in fact, it was to be very afraid. But Mary and Joseph were chosen for these important tasks that were before them. They were committed to believe in what the scriptures foretold about the Messiah. And then they were determined to trust in the ways that they could be willing servants in the story. Now we imagine that the journey for them with the news of the unexpected pregnancy, and then the news came that they needed to be willing participants in a census, meaning that they were going to have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we are told in scripture that, that while they were there, it came time for Mary to give birth. And no, there was no guest room available for them. And so they found a quiet, safe space in a stable, or most likely a cave. 
Matthew's gospel revealed that the angel had instructed Joseph, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mary placed that gift of love born to be savior of the world in a manger for a bed. Now all these years later, as we enjoy the comforts of our own world, we might find it very difficult to imagine the humble and vulnerable setting where the Christ child was born. Yet this humble and vulnerable setting in, is a reality for so many people. The homeless in our community, those who are refugees in war-torn places. So how might we rejoice at the manger with Mary and Joseph and the newborn king? Then there were those shepherds. Those shepherds that were living in the fields nearby, keeping their flocks by night. Now we have come to believe that the shepherds in their day were ordinary and basic and even lowly as they tended the sheep day in and day out in those fields. Yet it has been suggested that perhaps these particular shepherds may have been fulfilling temple duties, tending those flocks outside of Bethlehem, sheep that would be used in animal sacrifices. They were Jews, and if they were fulfilling temple duties, that makes them priests. That's right. These shepherds may have been shepherd priests. While these may have not have been the poor and the least of these kind of shepherds that we've once imagined, they were certainly dirty, so legend did get that right. And then the angel of the Lord appears to those shepherds with several pieces of information. The first a resounding echo of what we hear throughout this whole story, do not be afraid. There it is again. Angels show up and, and people get scared. So these angel messengers have to remind people to not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Other messengers from God, a.k.a. prophets, often brought bad news that caused distress for the people before they would get some good news and encouragement. This angel gets right to the point. Listen up because you are going to receive good news of great joy. Today, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. This is so easily translated. Y'all have been patiently waiting and longing for the Messiah to come. No more waiting. He has arrived. And then this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Notice the careful instruction here about the sign. The baby will be in a manger. These shepherds would immediately get this kind of imagery along with the message that they should probably check this out for themselves. And this was followed by that angel chorus praising God. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, believing that the angels appeared first to the poor and uneducated and country shepherds does make sense from a standpoint of Christ being revealed to the watching and waiting religious folk. But Christ, this amazing gift of God's love, was revealed first to those who most needed to hear the good news of great joy, whether they were ordinary shepherds or shepherd priests. And yet... If these shepherd priests were part of that animal sacrifice system, 
they were now receiving not just good news, but rather the best news. The promised Messiah was finally born. Animal sacrifices would no longer be necessary because Jesus was born to be the perfect sacrifice to pay for humanity's sin once and for all. No wonder that when the angels left, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, and so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Of course, we know that there's even more to this story. Charles Spurgeon said, a rejoicing heart soon makes a praising tongue. This was certainly true for those shepherds who began to tell everyone their story. And what was the response of those who heard the good news? From verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Those shepherds returned to their fields and their flocks, and they rejoiced. And they were found glorifying and praising God. Now those shepherds were the first evangelists, weren't they? The first to see the good news. The first to hear the good news. And the very first to share the good news. All these years later, we celebrate the good news of our own world. And I don't know, maybe we can find it difficult to imagine those shepherds in their fields and the angels in the night sky. Yet the good news is needed in so many places around us. So how might we rejoice at the manger with the angels, the shepherds, and the newborn king? There's another special detail that Luke includes in the telling of the birth of Jesus story. I've always loved that part of our gospel passage that reveals Mary's response to all of this. In verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. As Mary treasured and pondered all of these things, can you imagine what details touched her mind, her heart, and her soul the most? Maybe, just maybe, it was that first visit with the angel, her song and those words that flowed from her faith, the tender way that Joseph embraced the news of her pregnancy and took her to be his wife. Or maybe it was her visit with Elizabeth, whose womb leapt with joy. Or maybe it was the journey to Bethlehem, the humility of that stable cave, the pure irony of the Lamb of God laying in a manger instead of eating from it. Maybe it was those dirty shepherds coming in from the fields. Or the pure joy filling the shepherds as they departed. We get a glimpse of what Mary treasured and pondered in her heart, yet we know that these details were so important to her that one day she would sit down with a writer named Luke. And that writer would help her to describe in vivid detail the birth of the Savior of the world. And Mary would continue to describe how, how that baby grew in stature and wisdom. And later in the gospel, Luke told of when Jesus spoke to his disciples in crowds and told them that they could rejoice even when being persecuted. And how God's people could rejoice when finding what was lost and now found. Beyond the gospel message, 
Those early Christians received letters that reminded them to rejoice. To the Romans, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. To the Thessalonians, Paul wrote, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks to God in all circumstances. And to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's a verb. To feel or show great joy or delight. I believe that the Bible uses the word rejoice enough times so that God's people won't forget this holiest of nights with the thrill of hope that the weary world rejoices. You can delight in all that God has given to us. The gift of hope, peace, joy, and love found in the newborn baby king, Jesus Christ. So may you always rejoice at the manger. Amen.